Good morning to you all. It is um, great to be here and great to be together. And a little bit like Dave said, from, from this perspective where we're looking at it, yeah, a bit of a dull, wet day, but you can't imagine what it does to our hearts to see you all here this morning, particularly that very, very colorful array of umbrellas that is out there, but it, um, it, is, it is heartwarming. Uh, despite the conditions to see um, to see everyone. I, I guess we really had it on our hearts um, today, <laughs> being summer and all, to, to all come together. We've had 2020, I know you're sick of hearing it, but we've had one of the most unusual years, haven't we? Um, and I think we did all marvellous, you know, for our first pandemic and all. I, I think hat off to everybody. I think we did a great job. Give yourselves a clap. You know, if it was your second pandemic or your third pandemic, I don't know, maybe we could have expected better. I, I think you, you did a wonderful job. And we had it so much on our hearts, having been through and gathered during our Advent services, um, having had a little bit of a summer break to, to all be together today. but. I think I've been reminded, yes, it's possible to come together physically, isn't it? We, we, we could do that. We could do it religiously. We could, we could do it, we could be front and centre and physically present with one another. But we might not be together in heart. And yet I sense today that for those who are able to be here and those who are, who are trying to find the link on the website to join us online, I don't know if you've had any success there, but, but for those, those who are watching online, it's possible for us to be together um, in heart and in spirit, and yet perhaps not be together physically. And wasn't that the lesson of last year? Didn't we learn that well? And isn't that a great lesson to carry into to 2021 as well? well? I just wanted to share a little bit of our theme. Can you believe it? Um, during the Advent services, if you were here, you would have seen behind this gazebo the words, God with us. Now, I don't know, can anyone see the words now from behind the gazebo? Something has changed. No. Uh, we, we had this great plan, you know, curtains and all, we're going to unveil it. Well, maybe not curtains, but, but, but we're going to surprise you. You were going to sit there and you were going to look at the stage and you were going to say something's a bit different. It no longer says God with us. It, it now still has the word with and it still has the word God there, but it now reads life with God, life with God. That's our, that's our theme coming into the year 2021. And we're going to be exploring that together over, over the coming weeks, life with God. And um, we wanted to, to just Im impress upon our whole church family the mark of the true mark of a disciple and the true mark of his church is that we do life with God. You see, change changes us. I don't know about your holidays, but, but the Hunts did probably pretty much the same thing that everybody else did. Uh, we celebrated Christmas with family, we did a little bit of work around the house, we got away down to the beach, and we bought two sheep. Is everybody else kind of pretty much the same kind of, yeah, yeah. We, we introduced the sheep um, into, our, into our orchard to assist the chickens. The chickens were not able to keep the grass and the weeds down, um, figured they needed a little bit of assistance, and, 
a couple of sheep might help them. And um, as we did that, I, I kind of, you know, just have this big picture of a menagerie where everybody gets along, you know, Eden kind of, kind of thing. But apparently all creation has fallen and chickens did not necessarily appreciate sheep. And they stopped laying eggs, much to our dismay. They may have picked up their, may have picked up their, um, their game a little bit in the last couple of days. But change changes us. The introduction of the sheep uh, turned the chickens off laying eggs. Um, the other year, I, I, moved a, I moved a tree from one place in the garden to another place of the garden. It was flourishing, but it just wasn't where we wanted it. We, we transferred it into a, into a new hole, gave it wonderful soil, watered it, cared for it, nurtured it, and prayed for it. We have to. And um, guess what? It, it failed to flourish. It dropped all of its stunning leaves, and I honestly thought the, the little old thing was going to kill over. I, I thought we killed it. I think it's going to survive, but change changes us. I um, was thinking about situations in my life where my circumstances have changed, and I've changed with it. Naturally, a little bit of an extrovert. I, I recall um, somebody saying to me at the police academy, Stuart, you're a very quiet person, aren't you? And I'd never thought, I had never heard that in my life. But I reflected on it and I thought, you know, right now I am, yeah. Because I think I'm in a changed environment. I'm trying to work out how it all works and how to please my instructors. And I'm trying to nut it all out and change changes us. So how do we stay resilient when there is change around us? When, when our circumstances are constantly changing? When a pressure is applied to us and it impedes us or it hampers us. Actually, when pressure is applied and something is impeded or hampered, the word for that, according to the dictionary, is embarrassed. That thing is embarrassed when it is heated or, or um, sorry, impeded or hampered. Um, the temptation then when pressure is applied to our lives, when, when there is external change around us and so forth, the temptation is for us to feel perhaps embarrassed, we can't be who we really are, and, and the temptation is for us to live, to choose to live a smaller story. And my encouragement in 2021 for all of us as a church is despite whatever pressures come our way, which may impede or hamper, but it is not to give way to the temptation to live that smaller story. How do we authentically resist the change or the urge, sorry, how do we authentically resist the urge to live a smaller story? Our theme, life with God, life with God. The presence of God is always the mark of God's people. The presence of God is a theme we see through, through all, of, all of Scripture. Adam and Eve experienced it and encountered the presence of God in, in Genesis. Even in the wilderness, the presence of God was evident through fire and a cloud. In the temple, the presence of God was symbolized through ever-increasing courtyards that enhance the experience and encounter with God. In Emmanuel, Jesus comes to earth 
as God with us, the presence of God incarnate. And then he promises that he will never leave us for, or forsake us. And he sends his Holy Spirit to be present with us always. The presence of God is the game changer. Individually, the presence of God is, is the chief mark of a disciple or a, or a believer. Um, the disciple is someone who has accepted the call to, to come and follow me to experience life with God. Years ago, we had an invitation to uh, uh, visit a, a large U.S. aircraft carrier. And uh, Bron and I took a boat out to this aircraft carrier, which was so large that it couldn't dock um, there in Fremantle Port. And whilst we're on board, I was talking to one of the officers and, and he said, um, just, just complimenting me, he said, you Aussies, you Aussies, you've cracked the code. And I was on this ship, which I was sure was full of <coughs> instruments and codes and things. And I was thinking, no, I didn't. I, I, I haven't done anything wrong. I, sorry, what do you mean, crack the code? And he said, the good life. You Aussies, you've, ex you've cracked the code. You know what the good life is, is all about. And I guess it was this, this wonderful compliment. And I thought, no, we haven't. No, we haven't. But in Christ, we have. In Christ, we have. We have cracked the code. And the code is this. It is, it is God with us. It is God being present with you and us learning to be present with God. You see, God is always present. But life is full of distractions. Are we always present with God? In Psalm 63, David, David captures this sentiment. He, he says, I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. He longed for the presence of God. He longed to be present with God. Gregory of Nyssa, he described it this way, we are led to God by desire and then drawn towards him continually as if a rope is, is pulling us. There is, a, there is a yearning and a desire that draws us to God and in a wonderful reassurance, the power of God that keeps us there. Um, Gregory of Nyssa goes on to say, desire and yearning for God is, is, is when you've had a little bit, you want more. And when you've had a bit more, you want more. If you've had a bit more and you want more. He describes it this way, and it's pretty colourful language, but he says it's, it's, it's like a lover who wants yet another kiss. It's like tasting something so beautiful and sweet that the only thing that can satisfy you is another taste. It's, it's, it's like watching water spilling forth from the earth and thinking, oh, this is beautiful, a fresh spring, and yet until I've seen it all, I've not seen enough. The yearning and a desire for God that wants more, continually wants more. Last night I was reading a testimony about a pastor, his name is Nick Watts, who lost his son to suicide. And the question was asked of him, well, what now? Where was your God to take away and intervene into the depression of your son and to stop him from taking, taking his life? Do you still believe? And he said, I had a dark few days. I was sitting in a cafe by myself and I was asking myself all of these questions. What, what do I believe about anything anymore? And he said, this is what I resolved. God, to who else would I turn? You are the most real thing I've ever experienced. And if not you, then nothing. And I choose to believe, even in the midst of such pain. 
the presence of God, life with God. Do you want it? He's at once comforting and yet sometimes confronting. He's at once gentle and yet sometimes forceful. He's enlightening and yet he's also mysterious. He's powerful yet sometimes frightening. He's unchanging yet also unpredictable. He's beautiful yet also fearful. Whatever else God is, he is always loving. In C.S. Lewis's Lion, Witch in the Wardrobe, Mr. Mr. Beaver is trying to describe Aslan to the children. And he says he is no tame lion. Mike Iaconelli says our God is perfectly capable of both calming the storm and putting us in the middle of one. Either way, if it's God, we will be speechless and trembling and smiling too. The presence of God. It's an awesome, wonderful thing. And the Christian life and discipleship itself is an invitation to experiencing and encountering moment by moment the presence of God. It's an invitation to, to life with God. I mentioned last week, you may or may not have I caught the Eltham, Eltham campus sermon, but, but Ephesians 3, Paul's prayer can be summed up this way. Um, between verses 16 and 20, there's this beautiful chiastic structure, but verse 16 and 20 have a parallel thought, talking about the power of God. And in verses 17 and 19 have a parallel thought, talking about the power of God to usher you into the presence of God. And then right in the middle there of this little, little structure is... is um, verse 18 talking about the love of god the breadth the length the height and the depth so the power of god is is given to usher us into the presence of god so that we might experience day by day by day moment by moment by moment this all embracing love of god it's a beautiful thing and so in terms of life with god firstly i i say this i commend to you to, to this year, make it your prayer to yearn and desire for him more than, more than anything else you've ever <clears> desired. <throat> and if there has been a time in your life where you know, oh, I have just passionately sought God with all of my heart. He has been the love of my life. He has been the thing I've wanted most. But that moment was not today. Then make it today again. Make it your heart cry this year to say more than anything else. I want, I want the presence of God. I don't know about you, but I think it's time, yeah? I think more than, more than any other time in my life, today, this year, this is the year to experience and encounter God like never before. More of God, more of his presence, to yearn and desire for him more than I ever have in my entire, entire life. Encouraged by the promise of the power of God. The power of God to do that, to answer that prayer and to, and to enable me to experience his presence. Well, beautifully, I, I, I did say uh, <laughs> my little, little prayer watching the weather during this week was, I really don't care what happens, I'm standing out in the rain. Um, and I am. The only thing is, I, I didn't factor in the fact that soon my notes would run and 
you know, but I think I got this next bit. <laughs> the presence of God is the mark of every believer, but the presence of God is the chief mark of his church as well. Francis Chan once once said in an interview, it's quite a funny interview because he's got a couple of a couple of people he's mentoring there as well. And he sort of says to them on camera, he says, you know, the church is like a diamond. You know, if you take a hammer to a diamond and smash it, what happens? And one of the people he's mentoring says, it makes lots of little diamonds. And he, and he laughed. He said, no, if it's really a diamond, it won't break. And he said, that's what the church is like. When pressure is applied, when you take a hammer to it and you say enough of the church and you, and you smash it, nothing happens. If anything falls away, well, it wasn't diamond. Um, what's, what's the key mark of the church? Well, it's more precious than a diamond. It's the presence of God. And that's why, <laughs> just look at history. All of church history, take a hammer to it, it will never shatter. Hell itself will not prevail against it. Because nothing can shatter or scatter, nothing can harm the very presence of God. If you're looking for that, but what's the secret to a healthy church, a thriving church, a, a missional church? What's the one secret? What's the, as we say, what's the silver bullet? The presence of God. The presence of God is 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 that that thing. And so, if a the mark of a disciple is life with God. The mark of a church is sharing that life with God with one another. Um, I guess over 2020, many people sort of asked, what's the place of church? I mean, actually, you know, the large gathering coming together like we are today, where does it fit? Is it important? What's the place of that? I kind of miss it a bit. But, but what's the place of that in Western society and going forward? And I would say... The place of it is this, it's ushering one another continually in to the presence of God. That's why we, why we come together. Uh, I mentioned last week, John 1, 38, um, Andrew and another disciple are not so much invited at this point to follow Jesus as much as they just start following Jesus. Jesus turns around and he says, what, what is it that you want? And they say in that moment, oh, we want to see where you live. Where does God live? In the Old Testament, the people of God came together at the temple in which God chose to live. In the New Testament, the people of God, as they come together, are the temple in which God chooses to live. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 20 to 22, talk about the church being God's dwelling place, the place where he lives. You know, we can be a part of his body, but if we want to see the whole of the body of Christ, we have to come together. We can be a part of his temple, a single stone, but if we want to see the whole of his temple, we have to come together. If you want to see where it is that Jesus lives, that's the place of church. It's when we come together that we see the whole body. We see the whole temple. We see where it is. That Jesus lives and we're able in this context to usher one another in to the presence of God and I guess sort of in closing our, our time here I want to encourage each of us throughout 2021 
to ask God, what are the practices, my part, your part, what's my part in encountering your presence at a greater level this year? What are the practices that will help me to do that? But as a church, what are the practices that will help us to continually usher one another into his presence? And I want to suggest for us the three biblical normative forms of church as we as we see them and suggest that I really do believe that you as an individual can have a greater encounter of the, the presence of God and that we as a church can enjoy more of God's presence this year if we all committed to each of these three practices. And here they are. I'm gonna put them out there for you. I want you to just take this home. I want you to pray into this. I want you to ask God what would this look like. But here are the three forms. We notice that the early church first met, met together continually in the temple courts. That was the large gathering, Solomon's colonnade or Solomon's porch as it's sometimes called, the large gatherings. That's for celebration and proclamation. But they also met in one another's homes, smaller gatherings. Sometimes we call them growth groups, life groups. That's for application. And then they scattered to the marketplace. And that's for permeation. Together at the temple courts, we saw the church coming. Even despite persecution, we saw this gathering, this large gathering take place. Celebration, proclamation. One another's homes for application. How does this work in real life? Out in the marketplace, permeation. Those three forms, committing ourselves to, to coming together to see where it is that God lives. Meeting together in one another's homes, in smaller groups where we can do life together and encourage one another. And then taking, walking the presence of God out into the marketplace for the whole world to see. They're the three forms that that seem to be the, the normative biblical forms of church as we, as we see them in the New Testament. And it seems to me that they're a set menu, not a smorgasbord. Seems to me that it, it's as God's people committed themselves to each of these forms, not the forms in themselves, but what it was that the church was doing in those forms, celebrating, proclamating, and then applicating and permeating. It's, it's as the church did that, that we saw incredible growth. We saw community, we saw lives transformed, the church transformed, and the world around it transformed as well. It's time. I guess time for, for that prayer in Ephesians 3 to utterly fall upon our church and change us forever. But by the power of God, we would be ushered into the presence of God so that we are established more than ever before in the love of God. The mark of each Christian, the mark of his church, is the presence of God. Do you want it? Do you want it more now than ever before in your life? Do you feel the need for, for that in our world today? Is it time? If perhaps, whew, I don't know. I don't know what I think about that, Stuart. I don't know what I'm feeling right now. 
I wonder, I wonder what might be stopping you. I wonder what might be holding you back. I wonder where the hesitation, where the hesitation might be. As I wonder that, I also know what the solution is. God paved the way so that we can come boldly before his throne into his presence. Through the body and through the blood, he's made a way for you. It doesn't matter what it is that is holding you back. It doesn't matter what doubts or hurts or fears. It doesn't matter what, uh, what, what sins or habits or addictions. It doesn't matter what it is that might cause you to hesitate. We're going to hold two elements in our hand very, very shortly. And we're going to partake of them. And these two symbols remind us that whatever it is, that is causing you to hesitate from running into the presence of God with sweet abandon, Jesus is taking care of it. He's nailed it to the cross. There is no reason to hesitate. Run to your Father. Run to your Father. Embrace Him. Allow His all-embracing presence to encompass you and hold you Allow his presence to fall on you like a sweet mist of rain. <laughs> Let it be, Jesus. <clears throat> I love it. We're going to take communion together now. I'm going to invite the band to, um, to come and, and join us in the safety of the gazebo. And um, I just probably need to be reminded, do, do you have communion with you or is it at the table? Sorry, I didn't sort of see how that sort of... You've all got it. You've got it. Fantastic. If you don't, I see some at this table down the front. You are very welcome to come and, and join those of us who don't have one yet and to, and to grab that. Ben, once you come and, come and lead us, let me grab one of these guys. Take the bread and begin. As you hold it, this is Christ's body that was broken for you. Take it, eat it, and remember his body that was broken for you, which also broke down every possible barrier to coming freely into the presence of God. Take eat. We'll, we'll drink the, the wine in just a moment. For this part, would you would you stand with me where you're able? <laughs> I know it's difficult to hold umbrellas and everything. Well, we might we might just have a moment. 
would be so good to, to drink together, a reminder of the unity that we have in Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus was shed for you. He has atoned for every sin, past, present, future. There is now absolutely no barrier between you and God. Praise Jesus, hey? Let's make a declaration together and then drink together. Um, Jesus Christ is Lord is the declaration. Let's say that together. Jesus Christ is Lord. Let's drink together. It's good to be together, Lord. What a thank you for this message of life with God. Thank you for your body and your blood, broken and shed for us. Thank you for the gift of your spirit dwelling in each of us. Thank you for this morning. It's good to be together. up a whole new day for us as individuals, for us as a church. A new day marked by your presence. A new day marked with a new reassurance of who we are in you. A secure identity. Just knowing that you're holding our hand and you'll never let go. You're holding us close and you'll never leave us nor forsake us. A new day marked by a new confidence in your power to continually make your home in our hearts. And give us a deep and rich experience of your love. A new day marked by such a filling of your Holy Spirit that it fills us up and flows over to one another. A new day marked by an unquenchable love for each other and, and for you, our Savior. And a new day marked whereby we just can't contain it anymore. Your anointing and your love is overflowing from us to, to
to one another and in adding to a, a whole world of need. So as you beckon and invite us into that new day, Lord, we just want to say as a church, yes and amen. Yes, we're coming. We're running to you. Sons and daughters of the almighty King. We're all yours. Let it be, Jesus. All Lord's people said, amen.